started now. Uh, we are getting into the Kings, um, hence the name of the book, First and Second Kings. Uh, so from here on now, we're going to be visiting so many different kings, getting to know some of them. Some of them will only last for a chapter or two. Um, some of them might last a little longer. But be, besides just the kings, we're going to run into prophets and so many different areas in the in the uh, this book of First and Second Kings. It's just phenomenal history. Um, and so, what what I want to give you a heads up as we from here on out, <clears throat> um, as we'll see tonight, the nation of Israel becomes divided, and from here on out. We're going to start seeing the, the, the southern kingdom known as Judah, um, which is made up of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And then we, we will run across, oftentimes, most of the time, the northern kingdom, which is known is, as Israel. And they are made up of ten tribes. And it's interesting because the whole area is called Israel. Right now, before we get into it, it is called the nation of Israel. And, and oftentimes people can get a little confused as we're going. It's like, why are you calling it Judah? Isn't it Israel and stuff? So you need to like keep that in your little pea brain up here and maybe mark it down somewhere that, that again, when we're talking about Judah, we're talking about the southern kingdom where, is, where Ju- Jerusalem will be. That will be, continue to be the capital city of Judah or the southern kingdoms, two tribes. And then when we're talking about Israel... Now we're going to be talking about the ten tribes of Israel, the northern section from about Jerusalem or right, right north of Jerusalem, about Bethel, all the way up to, to Dan. And so we're going to be covering a lot of that as we move forward. King Solomon died in the year 931 B.C. And it was right after that, as we'll see tonight, that the kingdom is split. And if you remember last week, and we ran through the last portion of it, but as we saw last week, as God was, was telling, um, telling them that, that the, the, the kingdom would be ripped away from him, and, and, and ten of those tribes would be up there, and two of them would, would continue to be in the southern kingdom. And that was because of his father, David. He was going to let him continue to reign. And so, but, but it's right after his death, that these two kingdoms are split. Now, the kingdom of Israel, northern kingdom, um, they, they would reign for, a, for 210 years. They would reign for 210 years before um, they, be, they, they were going to be taken captive by the Assyrians. Whereas the, the, the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, they would reign for 345 years before they will be taken captive with, uh, uh, by the nation of, or by the Babylonians. In that time frame that, that um, Israel reigns in 210 years, they end up having 19 kings in total. Whereas the nation of, uh, of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, in the 345 years of their reign, they have 20 kings. So they're, they're right neck and neck. Some of them lived longer than others, as we'll see, as we cover, again, some guys don't even make it after two verses. They come into power and then they're dead by the next verse. It's like, 
It's a brutal, brutal time in, the, in this kingdom. And in this history of Israel, you will see the brutality and we will see kings that do right in the sight of the Lord and then we see guys that do evil in the sight of the Lord. And we ran across that last week as it, it talked about Solomon that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so again, we, we, we're going to see a lot of this stuff. It is talking about the nation of Israel as a whole. And I know sometimes we're going like, well, that was Old Testament, guys. So many examples that we're going to see about our own lives here. Because I don't know how you feel about the nation of Israel sometimes, but sometimes as I've read through the OT, you know, you're just kind of like, man, were these guys just idiots? How was it that they just turned, you know, after God miraculously did this and did that? And again, man, you always turn it back on yourself and you go, am I that much of an idiot? That with all that God has done in my life, I still go back to certain things or I still struggle with certain things. And so we see a lot of, a, a lot of examples for us and, and we can learn from all those kinds of examples. And so we're in 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's go the first five verses. Uh, we are going to cover the whole chapter and probably we'll speed through the, the last part. Hopefully now I'm going to try to move on. Um, but it says, And Rehoboam went to uh, Shechem, right? What is it? Shechem. I'm going to call it Shechem, okay? Shechem. Went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, heard it, he was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt, that they sent for, that they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he, Rehoboam, said to them, Depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. King Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, because he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. It says, then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he shall rule over all my labor in which I toiled, and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity." So it's interesting because in his writings, in his time of being alive, Solomon, again, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote the Proverbs. And there's so many Proverbs that he wrote, amazing Proverbs that can lead us and guide us in all ways. And we'll cover a few of those today. And he also wrote that amazing love story of, of uh, uh, the Song of Solomon, him and the Shulamite and all this stuff. And again, it blows my mind because he had a thousand women. And how is it that he writes a song about that chick and not everybody else? right? Maybe he had some other songs. 
We don't know about him. But he also writes Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, he's in a time of just kind of away from God and just kind of contemplating what life is all about and all that he had. And at the end, he just kind of says everything was vanity. But he writes this in particular knowing that one day he would die and everything that he ever did, everything he ever did would go to somebody else. And so here... And, and again, we, we kind of covered it really quick last week that, that it would be Rehoboam, his son, that would reign in his stead. Now, we never know and never tells us how many kids he had. There's only like three or four of them that are ever mentioned. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they just didn't have enough parchment paper to write down everybody's name. Having a thousand women in his life, can you imagine how many kids he had? Um, and so we don't know who they were. They would be way too numerous. But Rehoboam probably was the oldest of the bunch. It tells us in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21, that Rehoboam was 41 years old when he came into power, when he began to reign. That means that, that, that Solomon had him at least a year before he began to reign because Solomon reigned for 40 years. We also know that, that Solomon was probably in his late teens, very early 20s, when he began to reign. So he already started making wives or getting wives for himself way back as a youngster. And for 40 years, he accumulated all these women in his life. And his mom, Rehoboam's mom, was an Ammonitess. Um, so she was from another country. And yet here is the guy that will be taken over as king. And so in verse 1, it says that Rehoboam went to Shechem and all Israel had gone up to Shechem to make him king. For some reason, instead of um, doing it in Jerusalem, where I think, in my opinion, it should have been, because that was the capital city. And not only that, that is where the temple is. And not only that, that is where all the priests are at. And I'm sure they could travel and do other things, but it's just quite interesting that they go up to Shechem. Now, Shechem is centrally located, and it's like, okay, maybe that's why he did that. Again, there has been tension throughout the last 80 years between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was on King Saul's side and the southern kingdom was on David's side. And so for about 80 years, there's been that skirmish, skirmish or whatever it's called, the fighting and, and that tension between them. And so maybe he thought, okay, my dad is dead. I'm going to be king. Let's go up to Shechem. And so Shechem is in the... Um, Samaria area, if you look in your map, it is like in between the, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. It's like smack dab in the middle, east a little bit off the Jordan River. It, it, it is where the city of Sychar is at also. And if you remember, that is where the area that John chapter 4 takes place, where Jesus goes and meets the Samaritan woman in Sychar area, a little outside of Sychar. That is where the well of Jacob is at. And so there's a lot of significance that goes into Sychar, 
here, or not Sychar, but, but Shechem. Um, again, Abraham passed through there. A lot of the forefathers that passed through there did a lot of stuff in, 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 in Shechem or in, in the Samaria area. And so maybe perhaps because of the, the history behind Shechem, they decided to do it there. Um, this is at this moment, at this very moment right here in verse 1, Israel is still all united together. So maybe he thought, well, I just want, want there to be peace. Um, let's go meet up there. So in verses five, 2 to 5, it says that all of a sudden, it, so it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. He was still in Egypt because he had fled there. He was uh, in an asylum uh, or went exiled out there. <clears throat> um, again, even though... They had been united. There was this tension that was going on. Last week, we read about Jeroboam rather quickly um, because I was running out of time and I just kind of read the whole story there. But if you remember, Jeroboam was Solomon's servant. But he was also a, a, a mighty man of valor. And it just so happened because he was so good in, in, in what he did, Solomon caught it caught his eye, and so he, he, he kind of took this man. It says that he was an industrious man and, and, and also a man of valor, but he made him an officer over all the labor force that he had. And so apparently it didn't sit well with him that he would put him in that office instead of being this mighty man of valor going out and doing stuff for him, that he would be sitting in an office probably. But somehow... God had chosen Jeroboam to, to kind of be the ruler of the ten northern uh, tribes. If you remember, again, we ran across it really quick. As he was out with his new clothes out there, uh, walking in the, in the wilderness area, there, there was a prophet that met up with him. And, and Ahijah, the prophet, it says that he went to him and he, he tore up this clothing that he had into 12 pieces and gave him 10 pieces and proclaimed or prophesied that he would be ruling over the 10 northern kingdoms and that two of the kingdoms would be left for Solomon and his family. And so that's where Jeroboam comes into play. Now, somehow, in this whole time, God... God tells them, this is what I need you to do. This is, if you are obedient to me, I will make you like David. I will make a great kingdom out of you. He does all those things for him. And Solomon, when he caught wind of what God was doing with this man, being a, a servant of his, Solomon, already being caught up in so many kinds of things, instead of just kind of repenting, over all the idolatry, and that's why the kingdom was being ripped away from him. Instead of repenting over those things, he decides, why don't I just kill Jeroboam and get him out of my life instead? And so because of that, that is when Jeroboam fled to Egypt. Jeroboam stayed there until the death of Solomon. And it is apparent that all the northern kingdom or the, the tribes knew that the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam 
to become their leader. And so when, when the time comes, and now Rehoboam, <laughs> if I say, I'll, I'll probably get confused at one point here. When the time came for Rehoboam to now become king, these guys get on the horn, it's like, Jeroboam, you've got to get down here. This is what's happening, and we need you to be our spokesman. So he does. He comes down. Again, keep in mind that, uh, that, that the whole assembly is, is understanding what's going on here and has made him their leader as well. And God has already confirmed that. And then it says, when Jeroboam and the whole assembly, in verse 3, um, the whole assembly of Israel came, they spoke to Rehoboam saying, your father made our yoke heavy. Therefore, now therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he had put on us and we will serve you. See, see they're coming to him in humility somewhat, understanding that, that, that God's already doing some work in, in separating this kingdom, but they're coming to him and it's almost like this new, this new leadership this new administration coming into power. And now it seems like the union bosses are coming down because they want to negotiate some deals as you're going to be coming into power. Hey, uh, that last administration, your father made it really, really hard for us. Why don't you come and, 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 and you're coming into power. Do as we tell you to do negotiate with us and we will be your servants. Let's work out a deal for this labor force. Again, keep in mind that Jeroboam knows what the Lord has already spoken to him about. And it is more than likely that all those who are with him understand what the Lord has already said. Rehoboam, the king's son, I'm sure he has known why his father wanted to kill Jeroboam and why this cat has been up in Egypt for all these years. So you know that there's some tension there. You understand what's going on. This new administration, this guy's coming back from Egypt and now he's demanding some certain things to go on. And so it's obvious why Jeroboam is back in Israel. He knows what, the God, what God has, has spoken to him about. And so now with this coming queen, uh, king in place. And so the crux of this whole matter is presented to the new king. In other words, he is saying, let's just get down to the nitty gritty here. Let's get down to the bottom line here. You see, to the people, it was no yoke that the, that the workload was too heavy for the people to continue doing what they had been doing. And it's not like they didn't want to work. They just wanted to be they just wanted it to be reasonable. And they weren't yoking around. They were so serious about this. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up. Okay? <laughs> now earlier in the chapter or earlier in the earlier chapters, we, we got to see that King Solomon was a builder. 
and he had a huge, huge labor force. And there was people from other countries, but a lot of them, if not most of them, were from Israel. And there was a lot, a lot of work. Now, we all know what a yoke is. Um, That's when you make people laugh. And there has to be timing about it, you know. But seriously, a yoke is, 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 it goes on the, uh, on the necks of the beast of burdens, you know, that do a lot of the work. And so they understand that this yoke, this thing that he has been laying upon them, had been burdensome. And, and, and again, you know, in, in all of these countries that we see all these ancient ruins, everything was built upon the backs of the people. Now, again, as we have learned, it's not like they were getting paid. They weren't slaves. They were getting paid for all of this stuff. And it's not like these people don't want to work. They're just saying, hey, the, the, the work is hard. Don't get us wrong, but the hours are way too long. Can, can, you, can you ease up on the hours? And not, it wasn't just the hours. It was the taxation that was happening to these people as well. As we read that these people had to work all this time so that the king can live in a lap of luxury. And so these people for all these years are working hard and they're being taxed hard. And so they're coming to this new administration. It's like, okay, we've built all of Israel. Can you just back up a little bit and understand that, that, that hey, we will work for you. We will be your servants if you just kind of ease up so we can spend time with the fam, you know? I, can't, I haven't seen a soccer game in forever. Come on, you know? And it's like, so they're trying to negotiate with him. Again, understand that the people were willing to work for Rehoboam. And they bring Jeroboam in there, and Jeroboam's the spokesman going, we will serve you. And so you almost see a humility on that guy's part, saying, I know what God's called me to do but I'm willing to still serve you for all these years, for whatever it takes. Just make it a bit, make life a bit easier for us. All of God's true leaders, great leaders, have been servants to the people. When you look at Moses or Joshua, Samuel, and even King David, they were servants to the people. And it's interesting because Solomon, he had everything handed to him. And, and he almost, in, in one sense, became a celebrity leader. Not a servant leader, but a, a, a celebrity leader, not a servant. And Rehoboam was going to follow in his father's bad example. You see, he, he, was, he, he was at a crossroads here. He probably heard about his grandfather David. He probably saw the, the tail end of his, of his reign, but he saw what his father did, and he's going, I'm going to be just like my dad. Now, it's interesting because when Jesus came to the earth, he came as a servant. So, so again, the, the, the example is be a servant as you lead. It says that Jesus didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And he taught his disciples how to be servant leaders as well. And Jesus was the example by by washing the disciples' feet. And that was just one case. I'm sure there was other times that he just served these guys. And that was a humble service. 
And he wanted them to follow his example. Not the example of great leaders in the secular world. In Matthew 20, 25 and 28 says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be among you. But whoever desires to be, become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so now we see that, that Rehoboam, after listening to all this stuff, he, he tells him, okay, depart for three days and come back and I'll give you an answer. Rehoboam seemed to be doing the right thing here in that he wanted time to think about this. And as we will read, we, uh, we, we, we see that he will seek out counsel. And that's what's good about taking your time. The, the, the Proverbs, three different Proverbs tell us in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 24, 6, it says, For by wise counsel, you wage your own war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, I like what Warren Wiersbe said about this portion uh, here. Quote, it says, let's give Rehoboam credit for asking um, for a delay to give him time to think and seek counsel. However, time solves no problems. What, a leader, what leaders do with time is what really counts. Rehoboam is in a very good spot here to see what kind of leader he will be to the people. Will he take after his grandfather or will he take after his father? And as we read this next portion, verses five, uh, 6, six to, to 15, as we read that next portion, see if you could catch what he does right and what he does wrong here. It says in verse 6, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father, Solomon, while he still lived. And he said, how do you advise me in answering these people? And they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice from which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had gone up with him, who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us. 
Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Come back to, to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice of uh, which the elders had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy. But I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord, so that so that he might fulfill the word which was spoken, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah, um, this guy to uh, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Now, the right thing that that Rehoboam did was that he went and he sought counsel. Not just from the elders, but he also went to his own peers. So he got both sides. He, he, He got different variations of counseling. Now, the wrong thing that he that he doesn't do here is not that he went to the younger ones or took their advice as it would seem no it what what happens is that he never even sought the lord's advice in any of this that's what he did wrong see he 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 could have gotten counsel from everybody and anybody but he never went to the lord and said lord what do you want for me to do you see guys who do, you, who do you go and get advice from? Who, who do you surround yourself with to get advice? Because, because, you know, you go, well, I go to the elders. It's like, well, there's some fools that are elders. <laughs> and there are some fools that are young. But where we should go, even with people, is like, who is going to give you godly advice? Who is going to give you godly advice? Because again, you could get godly advice from elders and you can get godly advice from youngsters. If they're seeking the Lord and you go after them and ask for for guidance. And again, it's like when he heard this from these guys and when he heard this from those guys, he's going, okay, Lord, what, what do you want from me? And I know what most of us would say. Well, of course, go with the elders. Again, quite possible. Why, why, why not get that advice? Because you see humility there. That's understandable. But it's not like he couldn't have gotten advice from younger guys that would have been humble. But the guys that he goes to are guys that he grew up with. Guys that have been around him and he's been raised in the lap of luxury and it's almost like, nah, bro, let's do this. And he could have said, you guys haven't changed, have you? <laughs> you guys have always gotten me in trouble. Now I'm king. He, he, he had either way to go, but he didn't even seek, seek the Lord. He didn't even ask the Lord, what, what, what would you have for me to do? But can you imagine the ego that this man has 
that is associated with someone taking advice when somebody says, no, this is what you tell them. See this little finger? This little finger is going to be thicker than my dad's waist in, in, in the way I'm going to treat you guys. Like, this has, I have more power here than my dad had in this core. And it's like, come on, you've probably never even lifted a finger to do anything, young man. And he's not all that young. He's, he's 41 years old. Again, it wasn't just the work. It was the long hours and the taxes that they were saying, hey, work with us here. What Rehoboam is saying, he said that he would add to their yoke. My dad chastised you with a whip. I will chastise you with a scourges, with a scourge. And a whip, again, was just a single thing that was braided and, and you hit. A scourge was more that at the end of it, there was, diff, there, there was more than one one strand. There were several strands. And, and in, in the, the King James or in some translations, it, it calls it a, a, a scorpion. And what they would do is put little hooks in there, like the, the tail of a scorpion, little metal hooks that when they scourge you, man, it left a sting. And, and he's saying, man, you thought that, that the taxes were hurting you now. Man, when I get through with you, man, they're, they're going to sting bad. Because I'm going to put a bigger thumb on you, and I will I will do it with more authority. Rehoboam. Again, man, he thought that he would get this over on them, and so it says. So when Jeroboam and all the people came, it says that he spoke roughly to them, harshly. Again, a couple of the proverbs where it says, "A soft answer turns away wrath." But harsh words stir up anger. 15.1. 12, 12, 18, it says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. This young man was going to be a fool, thinking that this is the way you do and you take over power. Again, totally opposite from what God really had for him. Jeroboam's leadership was motivated by his pride and his arrogance, not by humility. And this is what happens when, 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 when we exert our pride and our arrogance and that gentleness and kindness. And again, man, I'm sure those guys are going, man, if you go easy on them, man, they're going to take advantage of you. It's like, no, not really. You, you, you show the people that you will work with them, you will be kind to them, you will speak kind to them. Again, man, like they said earlier, man, we'll serve you. We'll work with you if you work with us. But he's going, no, I will be a harsh, harsh leader. So one way or another, though, it's interesting because, again, in, in, in verse 15, it says, so the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord. And that was an, uh, an interesting verse as I got to that. Because you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. God had already spoken to Ahijah, the prophet, saying that this kingdom was going to be ripped. But it wouldn't happen on Solomon's watch. It would happen with Rehoboam. And so you're going, okay, so his pride and arrogance was exactly what God wanted him to come across so the nation could be ripped. Is that what we're saying? No, I I, I don't think so. But the turn of events was from the Lord. However this turned out, 
And I asked myself the question, well, what if he would have taken the elders' advice? What would have happened then? Well, the nation would still have been divided, but it may have happened in a more peaceful manner that they could work together. Right now, they're ready to go to war after this whole thing because of pride and arrogance. It says in verse 16, it says, Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, and the people answered the king, saying, What share have we with David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Jeroboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue. But all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore King Rehoboam mounted his chariot and fled, and, and in haste fled to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in had seen had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day and it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had uh, come back they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel there was none who followed the house of David but only but the tribes of Judah only and when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel, that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the king of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and to Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go nor go up nor fight against your brother and the children of Israel. Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Therefore they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back according to the word of the Lord. The consequences for Rehoboam's arrogance and pride was that now all of a sudden, man, this, the northern kingdom secedes. They leave the, the other tribes, and now they're going to form their own nation. Again, God had said that's the way it was going to be. And when they, when they, they hear of all this stuff happening, they cry out, just like Sheba did back in Second Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. He was a trou- troublemaker in David's day. And he was all for Solomon. And he says the very same things. What share do we have in David? No inheritance. We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Everybody back. Everybody back to their own tents. And so they left the assembly, went to their own tents, and they made Jeroboam king. The only exceptions were the ones that had already moved down to Judah, and they were going to remain faithful to the throne of David. Now, King Jeroboam sent Adoram or Adoniram, um, uh, as, as it's spoken of later or earlier on. And he was in charge of the revenue, the workforce. He was like sending the IRS to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Here they're going, we don't want to be taxed. He's going, well, I'm going to send the IRS. You'll see. And so what any good people would do is stone, not really. Um, they, stoned, they stoned this guy, man. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you put this guy in harm's way? But that's what he does. He says, oh, yeah, I'm going to send this cat over to you guys. And so that wasn't the smartest move that he had made. But uh, again, it's almost like he was coming to make their yoke heavier. And so here you have uh, Rehoboam, he fled, Jeroboam becomes king. And, and once Rehoboam gets back to, to Jerusalem, he wants to go to war against the house of Israel, against his brethren. And this is what pride and arrogance gets you. It gets you fighting. It gets you pitted against one another, man. When, when, when humility is used, guys, Jesus wins every time. When pride and arrogance is used, man, there is war. There is people that come against each other, even within families, within churches. It says, therefore, they obeyed the word of the Lord because this prophet came on the scene and says, you're not going to do this. This thing that has happened, it's from me. This di- division, I, I, it's from me. And again, I don't quite comprehend how the Lord allows that to happen, but he had already prophesied that it would happen. And so in verse 25 to the end of the chapter, it says, when Jeroboam, then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David if these people go up to offer sacrifices to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of the people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore the king, Jeroboam, asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now the thing became sin to the people, for the people went to worship before uh, the one as far as Dan. He made shrines in the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing the calves that he had made, to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priest on the high place of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, on the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices to the altars and burnt incense. So you see that Jeroboam all of a sudden now fear grips his heart and he begins to make a man-made religion, something that would be more convenient for the people. 
because he began to worry, thinking if the people go down to Jerusalem three times a year, they're going to want to go back because they're going to remember the times that they had there. And he says, why don't I do this? <laughs> and he makes this up in his own heart. And in Bethel, which was not far from Jerusalem, some 10 miles or 20 miles from Jerusalem, he, he built a, a, a shrine there or somewhere to worship there, an altar. And he also built one over in Dan, which would be the northern part of Israel where the 10 tribes were. And I, I remember being able to see that same exact um, altar. It's still there um, when I was able to go years ago, but it's still there. And, and, and yet he put two calves there saying, this is the God that brought you out of the children of Israel. Now understand this, that northern kingdom where Samaria is, this is where Jesus caught the woman at the well. And do you remember, she was a Samaritan. And because of all this that's starting here, the Samaritan people were, were, were worshiping other things besides God. And remember what Jesus told that woman? You worship what you don't understand. The Jews, they worship in spirit and in truth over here. We know what we worship. And so it went on for hundreds of years at the beginning right here. That Jeroboam and God had told them, if you do right by me, I will make you like the house of David. But right off the bat, fear grips his heart because he thinks he's going to lose people. And it's interesting because it happens in churches all the time. You know, it happens in people, but in churches where it's like, well, I don't want somebody starting a church right next to me because they might take my people. And that's what he started battling. He might take my people. He might be a better pastor than I am. And, 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 and again, if he would have realized God called you to this place, then you don't have to worry about who comes or who doesn't come if God has called you to this place. And this is where a lot of pastors, they, they get up tight with, with people. And again, I, I, I understand part of it, but it's like if you've been called to a certain place, know that God has called you to that place. And you don't have to live in fear whether the people will come and go. Preach the word, people will come regardless. It might not be huge, but the people will come. And, and, and so here, people, people like Jeroboam, man, they get, they get anxious about how things are going to happen, how they're going to turn out. But it's like Jeroboam, man, God had already spoken to a prophet about what he wanted for you. And if you obey him, things will work out. But we're going to see, as he has uh, already started, he made it convenient for the people to worship. There was no sacrifice for the people. And he's going, man, I'm worried that these people, and guys, we can't live our lives with fear. We can't. If you know God has called you to something, to a certain thing, then live like God has called you to that. Do not fear. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time of being able to read your word again, Lord God. And again, Lord, we see how man can be, how we worry about certain things in our lives, Lord. As we see the end of Jeroboam here, Lord God, we'll still see some more of his, his stuff, but the fact that he began to fear. And yet, Lord, he, you had already spoken about him. Again, Lord God, just the pride, the fear that creeps into our hearts, Lord God. And yet you have called us to be humble, to be simple, to be kind, to do all the things that you showed us in your word, Lord God, about who you are, Jesus. You gave us examples like Moses and, and, and Joshua and other men like that, Lord. 
Again, Lord, all these things are for our example. That, Lord, when we have decisions to make, Lord, that we would be careful who who we get advice from. Lord, that no matter what people might tell us, Lord, we would always seek your face and take our time to hear from you, Lord, to make sure, Lord God, that you've given us the peace in our hearts, that you've shown us, Lord, what it means to be humble, what it means to be practical, what it means to be simple in those things, Lord. And so, Father, please, Lord, continue to teach us, even as we go through First Kings, about who you are and your power, Lord, the consequences for disobedience, Lord. Show us, Lord, those things. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come and get some prayer. Let's stand, sing this last song. Do it, Jimbo.